What's the difference between a workplace that's neurodivergent or special, created for people with just developmental disabilities, and an ordinary workplace or a workplace where many of the folks are neurotypical? This is a question that I was asked by a family, and I want to answer this question and talk to you more deeply about it. If you don't know me or you're new to uh, me and how I work with families, my name's Eric Gall. And I am a family coach, um, and I work with families touched by developmental disabilities, equipping them with knowledge and tools to cultivate an awesome ordinary life with their loved one, while ensuring their care and support today and in the future. And I started to talk about this um, question last week um, around the difference between special workplaces and ordinary workplaces. Um, and last week, I talked about it more from... Uh, I, a worldview or a community view, okay? And how the decisions we make are impacting how other people are viewing our loved one with a developmental disability, whether they're viewing them as valued or devalued, and some of the impacts um, that those special environments are having on community and community mindset versus supporting our loved one to grow in ordinary community. So I recommend you check out that video. Um, Watch this one first, but go back, go ahead and check out last week's video or audio podcast version if that's easier for you. Um, but I'll link to it below in the notes. Today, I'm going to talk more about uh, this question of the special workplace versus the ordinary workplace from an individual perspective, right? Um, not just the community or worldview perspective. And when we're thinking about this question at the individual level, um, we want to think about a few different areas. We want to think about, well, what's the difference in environment? What's the difference in pay? What's the difference in relationships? What's the difference in the growth opportunity and confidence of our loved one with a disability? So we're going to dive into each one of those areas. So the uh, separate, the separate environment, right? Where if it's just folks that are neurodivergent or have a developmental disability, when we're thinking about that environment, it's a little bit more institutionalized, right? Because what happens is you have a, a bunch of people with developmental disabilities grouped together, and then you have typically a neurotypical supporter overlooking those people, right? Which starts to become a little bit more institutional versus uh, a work culture or environment that you might see where, um, which is more inclusive, where kind of just everybody um, has the opportunity to work. In those separate or special environments, you're also seeing mostly people with development disabilities doing more menial, ta menial tasks. Often it could be packaging or um, very repetitive tasks. In these environments, there's often very low opportunity for growth or advancement. Um, and again, they're overlooked typically by a neurotypical supporter. Now, if we contrast that with the ordinary workplace, just a workplace that anybody can work, right? There's an opportunity to embrace a rich culture, workplace culture or environment. There's often a variety of tasks that and jobs that can be customized to fit that person's capability or skill set. There's more opportunities for growth, and there's also more opportunities for natural support, right? Or to, instead of being told what to do 
by a neurotypical person always looking over that person. It could be working in more of a team environment or there might be more natural support or natural direction. Like, hey, let's do this together or right. Remember to do X, right? Remember to, you know, do it this way. So much more natural way of, of working. So those are things to be considering from an individual perspective about the work environment. Now let's talk about pay. Now in that special work environment, people with developmental disabilities are historically undercompensated or sometimes not compensated at all. Or there's even cases where they have to pay to be there to work, right? So it is not fair compensation for fair work many times. If we look at those ordinary environments, many of the cases, the person is uh, compensated at a fair market wage for the work that they are doing. So somebody else doing that ta task would be compensated in a very similar, equal and fair way. So more opportunity for fair compensation in ordinary environments versus those special uh, work environments. Now let's think about relationships. Right. And when I was asked this question originally about what the difference is between the special and ordinary workplaces by a family, one of the comments that they made was, you know, my loved one's not interested in being in relationships with anyone. They're just going to show up, do the thing, go home. Right. And I can understand that. But I think that can come from historically being in those separated environments because um, it can be hard for people that um, have a developmental disability, which might be working on developing their social skills, if we're just placing a bunch of those people trying to develop their social skills together in a room, how can we expect them to develop social skills, right? Um, so often what the pattern is that I observe is that people with development disabilities are trying to make um, friends with people that have strong social skills, right? Which is often neurotypical people, often paid supporters, right? We see this a lot in day programs, for example. Now, if we look at the ordinary environment, right, this creates the opportunity to learn social skills from others with that have strong social skills, because often there's many neurotypical folks in that environment. And it also creates greater opportunity and potential to build relationships in an ordinary way. And many of us build relationships with the people that we work with. So, you know, one of the challenges that we have um, for our loved one, for our family is relationship, relationship capital. And it's so, so important because we want to be able to answer that question of who's going to be there for our loved one when we can't be. So being in a relationship rich environment can be part of the answer to that. I want you to think about which opportunity is your loved one going to individually benefit from the most, right? We talked about the worldview um, and what I believe to be um, really important in terms of our loved one working in the ordinary environment because our loved one's valued and our loved one is has the opportunity to experience the richness and the goodness of everything that comes in those ordinary environments and to be included versus being excluded in the um, special environments, right? So that's the worldview perspective, but there's also a lot of benefits and good that comes from your loved one being in the individual, from an individual perspective, being in the ordinary environment, right? And one of the things I want you to think about as well is your loved one's growth, right? What is the impact on your loved one's growth and their confidence in the special environment versus the ordinary environment? There's a lot more opportunity for your loved one to grow in the ordinary environment. And when I see people getting jobs in ordinary places, being compensated, being valued in a fair way, 
their confidence skyrockets, right? And their capabilities grow. And it's really, really incredible and awesome. So again, yes, it takes work to explore the ordinary and to figure things out, but it's really worth it, right? And by exploring the ordinary, you're helping your loved one to create a better life, right? Um, and creating more acceptance and inclusion in your community. I'm Eric Gall, and if you want to help your loved one to continue to grow their independence, I recommend you head over to empoweringability.org and check out the 12 Tips Independence Guide that's been curated with the insights of over a thousand families on how they're supporting their loved one to grow their independence. So head over to empoweringability.org and go ahead and get your free guide. I know it's going to be super helpful for you. There's a link in the notes below. I'm Eric Gall. Together, let's keep taking small steps forward this week.